sweet of him. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. Zencaster is a modern web-based solution for high-quality audio and video podcast production. With a full suite of professional tools, Zencaster allows podcasters to quickly and seamlessly record their guests remotely and produce their podcasts in studio quality. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Support for That UFO Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the Lawnmower 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you listeners. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code ANDYUFO at manscaped.com. That's promo code ANDYUFO. If not for you, it could be for a family member, for the man in your life, or someone you just want to get an amazing gift for. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed and optimised trimmer that makes shaving time your favourite time in the bathroom, all the while listening to Dan and I talk about the latest UAP news. So remember folks, get 20% off and free shipping with the code ANDYUFO at manscaped.com. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and it's the listener call-in show. Becoming quite a regular feature for us on the podcast. Really looking forward to getting this one out there. Spoke to so many of you again this time with more people requesting to come on the call-in show than ever. Please do get in touch if you want to get on the call-in show in future. Email ufouapam at gmail.com for a slot or I'll put out on the social media nearer the time for people to book in. I will try and accommodate you as best as possible there are people calling in from australia canada the uk the us new zealand and further afield than that um, across europe as well so if you want to get on and i can't accommodate you on one of the pre-arranged slots i'll do my best to get you in at some point throughout the week so just get in touch with me if you want to be a part of the podcast like i'd mentioned before in one of the updates you'll have heard just at the start of this the new adverts for manscaped we've got a bit of a trial sponsorship with them at the moment if it's going to be of benefit to you, then great. Please use that promo code andyufo at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Anytime you do, it really does make a huge difference to myself and Dan and the podcast going forward as well. So if you can help out, that's great. If not, thanks for listening to the adverts anyway. But folks, enjoy the rest of the listener call-in show part one. Part two will be out in the coming days. Record. First call, we have regular caller Tim from London. Tim, how are we doing today? I'm fine, Andy. Fine. How are you doing? I'm very well. Awesome. Well, uh, we were just saying before, like um, from the Discord chat, a lot of the topics we wanted to talk about this week were brought up in the, the Discord, which the Patreons and Apple subscribers can can get involved in. And uh, you'd seen quite a lot of interesting things kind of brought up. So what you want to talk about? 
Yeah, I'll keep it. I'll keep it brief. I just um, I, I had some some thoughts, and it was more of a more of a, a social commentary, and, and the fact that I was just pleased with the the community. I'm not. This isn't an advertisement for your sort of Discord server, although it is in a way. I mean, I think it's I think it's brought quite a lot of disparate but very engaged and interested people together. It's like a uh, a modern take on maybe a MUFON or, or something, probably even more amateur than, than a MUFON, but a lot of us that are kind of internet sleuths, let's say, kind of a, a newer generation of people reading, sharing, debating. And one of the things somebody brought up, I, I'd give him credit if I knew or who he or she was, I can't recall, but we started talking about d- discounting that because I didn't really find any recent sort of abductee cases, uh, unless you or, or others have, have seen different, that the ones we tend to dwell on are the sort of Travis Walton, Betty Barney Hill, uh, the gents in the south of the US, I think it was Mississippi, the guys that were fishing. Um, and then there's a whole slew of um, generally women that, that tend to have been uh, having these experiences. And I just read, and I thought I would share this if other people haven't read it. I read Ralph Blumenthal's book, um, The Believer, and uh, I know you had him on the show a while ago, Andy, which was really, which is really great. He was the guy that authored some of the content with Leslie and the other people at the New York Times. And he wrote a book about John Mack, the kind of big, handsome Harvard uh, psychologist who interviewed people that had experiencer type situations, the children in Zimbabwe uh, and during the 1994 case, famously. He did the hypnotic regression stuff, which I also find interesting. I, I don't know how much I would sort of believe it. Uh, but that said, so much of this is unbelievable and adverted mm-hmm. commas that I, that I, I'm just happy to accept it for now and keep discussing it. But the thing that I find really interesting is that a lot of these cases that are, that are being reported are sometimes happening to more than one person. Uh, either they're next to each other or they were in the same vehicle or something like that. And some people have talked about this kind of shared delusion or kind of shared hallucinations. And I was reading into that a little bit. And I I guess it is a kind of acknowledged phenomenon, but I just don't know how it works Um, because that's really interesting in and of itself. Like even absent of this whole phenomena discussion, I were to sit here and hallucinate Andy and somehow make you hallucinate in the same way. That's pretty, pretty fucking cool. I mean, part of my French. I mean, that's, that in and of itself is kind of a trip. Uh, but the the more likely scenario is that these two people independently had some kind of uh, otherworldly experience, extra dimensional, you know, they tapped some part, their consciousness was hacked in some way, perhaps having real proof of, uh, of course, I just think it's really interesting. And I'm, and I'm glad to hear other people talking about it. It kind of moves the conversation a little bit away from, you know, flying metal discs filled with, you know, meat sticks, meat tube, kind of biological entities flying around. That could be the case too. But but I do like this kind of uh, sidestream conversation. Yeah, so a couple of things within that, like the whole abduction phenomenon, um, you'd mentioned that it seems like it's not really happened for a while. And that, that was something that intrigued me when it was brought up in the, the Discord chat. Now, I I suggested the fact that we know of so many famous cases like your Betty and Barney Hill and and, and others that you could go right back, Calvin Parker, Travis Walton, of course. 
but they happened quite a while ago, decades ago now. And at the time, there was no social media. These things weren't necessarily reported on on like national or international news. So they were stories that were kept within a locale and people within small pools knew, knew of these stories. So people with an interest in UFOs or aliens at the time in the 70s, 80s and, and so on would have known about them. So there maybe wasn't that widespread ridicule on, on a bigger stage that we would have in 2021 with social media. So it's allowed those stories to grow and and be preserved and move forward. That I made the point that if something like the Travis Walton abduction happened today, like tonight, Tim, I'm going to use you because I don't want to use me and chance fate. But Tim, tonight you have that similar experience to Travis Walton. And in five days time, you're dropped off on the outskirts of London. Um, you, you have your phone on you potentially within minutes of being dropped off. You could tweet or jump on a Twitter space or a Facebook live stream or YouTube stream and tell everyone about your abduction experience. People wouldn't believe you naturally people you you would get some no doubt but generally it wouldn't make international news people would just think here's a guy telling a story and i think it would just go away i don't know what your thoughts are on that so i think that's a big part of the whole abduction phenomenon now really interesting point andy i am inclined to agree i think if i told anybody anything they would generally not give a shit because <laughs> I I'm just not interesting enough. You know, I'm not, I'm not famous. I don't have a following, you know, unless I had some amazing footage of something, but this goes to a point that you make all the time. I think on, on some of your pods and maybe in other chats we've had, if I had a, you know, enormous, uh, uh, one meter sort of lensed optical camera, kind of like Avi Loeb was talking about, and I got a black triangle flying over, you know, West, West London. And I got a great photo of it. I 90% of the world would go, eh, don't, don't care. Not real. Uh, yeah. too busy with losing my job because of COVID or, or whatever. I just don't, I think people are that disengaged that it really wouldn't matter. I think the reason the, the more historic cases get studied a lot is because of the sort of significant ancillary evidence and analysis that's gone along with it. There are multiple witnesses. There are people that have written about it, interviewed the people, tried to debunk them and failed. All of that has made those very interesting. And we look back on history just naturally as inquisitive, kind of curious beings, whereas we tend to disbelieve people in the moment. And I use a really kind of grim example the other day in a chat, I think, but it was almost like victims of assault or something, particularly with women. And fortunately, a lot of the time, you know, either by the police or other people, that's kind of the default space as well. I don't think that's true. You, you must have some ulterior motive. And that tends to be it in, in the moment. I think stuff as stuff passes, it becomes more accepted. And, you know, as it gets criticized more, I mean, I think it's just the passage of time that makes this stuff more digestible to people. That's just my yeah, I, th- I think there's also an element of it's easier to to listen to these cases that happened some time ago because the for whatever reason certain cases have survived folklore and and been passed down through time, and that's not to comment on the legitimacy of the cases, but for whatever reason some of those cases survived, and we hear that there are thousands, no doubt, of abductions every year, um, and have gone on yet. We, we just hear about the same few, um, and it it's just 
picking and choosing. Maybe it's just luck as to what makes it through the net and what we still talk about today. I just think that nowadays it'd be so easy, rightly or wrongly, to to claim potentially, you know, psychiatric issues or mental health issues with anyone reporting abductions. Again, it's, it's an interesting take mm. on, you mentioned, it seems to be a lot of the cases you hear about are, are, are women coming forward. I think you see more of that reported in the press. I think from a UK point of view, there's been some some women in the last year that their cases, but again, from a UK point of view, I think it's always the Daily Star or you know papers like that that aren't reputable. So they tend to put more of a, yeah, a slant supermarket. On it. Yeah, po- poking fun supermarket at the stories. Racks. Yeah, that's it. Yep, yep. Um, and for whatever reason, that that happens. But it's it's disappointing that people's stories aren't taken at face value. And I think what it does add up to, though, with with anything in this subject, it comes back to to evidence. And you're listening to one person's testimony. If the the Tic Tac event had happened, and it was only Commander David Fravor who saw that object on that day with no one else, no radar, no Kevin Day, no Alex Dietrich, you know, no one else had any involvement, but he saw that, we wouldn't be talking about it today. So it's unfortunate, but as incredible a subject as abductions are, it just lacks a lot of of evidence in the sense that we have, usually it's one person's story. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's more, and yep. they're, they're, they're claiming a shared event. But again, there's no, there, the, I mean, with with the stuff that the, the DOD, the MODs, the, the military alliances around the world detect, they're, they're using million dollar sensors left and right. There is other ancillary data, which is great. Uh, and, and it really helps kind of progress the conversation in that sort of evidence kind of frame. These are just stories you have to believe either you do or you don't Uh, intuitively you trust the person um they don't have any other diagnosed kind of issues that might make them suffer delusions or or something like that um but but even even if they did is that a reason to distrust them that they still might have had that experience in some way we don't have you know cameras into this other kind of reality they they may or may not have just experienced we don't know if that happened uh, the really interesting thing, I guess the one point I'll add to, to some of this before I give you your time back is that in a lot of these cases, and I was just reading in, in um, Blumenthal's book about John Mack, is that a lot of the people Mack had spent a lot of time with had these sort of um, uh, one of these observables of physical characteristics on their bodies. You know, people with this stuff with the implants, I'm sure you've seen that. I've yeah. always kind of scratched my head at that. I mean, don't really, couldn't wager a guess what that's about. Um, but more interestingly, there are these kind of defined scoop marks on the bottoms of people's legs that are happening in multiple countries at different times and different people. Uh, and it's not like they're all sending each other telegrams back in the day on how to fabricate and, and line up their stories. So I, th- there is some physical evidence to it. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's researched that or looked further into it. Would be would love to hear more about that. Uh, if anybody digs into it, but but otherwise, I'm, I'm I'm happy to stop sharing my thoughts there, Andy. No, absolutely. And I'll just ask anyone listening if you have any suggestions for guests who would like to to come on, who may be experts in abductions or especially modern day. That would be yeah. great to speak to us from a medical point of view as well. Um, and do you know what? Again, on on this platform, if anyone wanted to call up and share their story, um, of 
any sort of experience at all, I'm, I'm more than happy to listen to that. You know, it's not a place you're going to get ridiculed for it, like may happen in the, the local or national press. But sure. please, please do that. And I'm talking to a few listeners just now, um, privately, who have have mentioned, you know, experiences, and they they may look to share them down the line. And again, it's a kind of safe space to do that. And if someone came on here and spoke to me, then and decided before I, you know the final button that they didn't want it to go out then that's fine that wouldn't happen so but yeah tim great call and, and good start to the show next up we've got first time caller steve thanks for joining us steve what do you want to talk about um nice to meet you mate uh, well first of all i just want to say to you and dan uh you should be really proud of what you've done uh i think it's i think you guys have brought a level of intelligence to this whole debate and this conversation so i just wanted to uh, uh express a great deal of thanks for that um sure, steve and I think that's it for me. Like we have to be led by the data. Like I, I, I like what Avi Loeb's doing. I like what a number of people are doing in in that direction, whether it's Galileo or kind of other areas. But we need to be be, be led by the data on this. Uh, and that's where we need to be dedicating our to- dedicating our time and our, and resources. Um, but dedicating resources brings me on to conferences and spending two hundred and fifty dollars on a conference. Um, I am just, I just don't get what they add. Now, I've heard some talk about meeting people in a lobby and do 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 and Chris Mellon signing a t shirt or whatever. It's like that, that don't really rock my world. And that's just a personal point of view. Um, but for me, the most intelligent conversations, we're never going to learn more about this subject. Everything's going to get released or things are going to get released at certain times. And whether that's by, Lou, Chris Mellon, da, 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 the guys at New York Times, like maybe Corbell, maybe Knapp, done it, like wherever. Um, you're not going to hear anything new at a conference. Now, I don't know anyone that's been to any industry conference, but any industry conference that I've ever been to in my life, they're the most boring things that you can ever imagine in terms of, yes, there's a lot of people for, with the same interests and same industry, but really, you're not. We're not going to learn anything new. And for, like for that, is it for for a fancy get together? Doing it physically, I get it. Like doing it virtually, I just can't see why people would want to pay two hundred and fifty dollars or whatever it is. And and I saw the poll that you put out the other day, and you got forty nine percent of people saying pay nothing. And well, yeah, what well, Zoom channel cost me what one hundred and twenty quid a year or whatever it is for up to ten thousand people. It's like here's a here's a question for you though on that right. Why do you think that this conference in particular seems to have got so many people's backs up? Just just as an example, and I had done some previews for them. Like I I didn't get paid anything, but Contact in the Desert yeah. was a couple of months ago. Yeah. And that was a all virtual conference and they, their tickets were like four, five hundred, six hundred dollars. It had like sixty speakers on, on various different platforms. Some I had an interest in some i didn't but no one I, I didn't see the reaction to that that this one particularly has got uh, and when did you say that was a few months ago so uh, uh, june so it was actually like six, yeah. six weeks yeah I'd, I'd, one i'd be interested in how many people turned up for six hundred dollars uh like I, I, again personally i don't get it like just in a sense that there is you could have 60 speakers there but by the time we get to, I don't know who was there, but by the time you get to 
Corey Good and David Wilcox, like kill me now. Like, like really, I don't want to pay to, to, to see people who are giving me their opinions. I want to see data and I want to see people who are legitimately out there not trying to make money out of this. Now, I don't know if the speakers at these conferences are getting paid. Um, ultimately, there are event organizers who will turn a profit, which I've got no issue with. But at the same time, like, is it moving this scene forward? No, it's a nice get together and it's, it's maybe hearing opinions like if there was if there was a real interactive q a with the likes of chris mellon i might pay for it to, to 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 be able to fire some questions that i've got that i might not have heard asked across multiple podcasts but you can hear across many different podcasts interviews with all of these people that are speaking at these conferences and pretty much every question's covered so we're not going to hear anything new so i just see it as kind of a nice get together why this one has really fired everyone up i think maybe it's got to a stage of people have just gone really like really like and, and maybe contact in the desert is just kind of yeah slipped slip through the net in that sense but i don't know I, I i have no clue why this one is made people passionate about it but when i look at 250 dollars like would i pay for it no like not not in the slightest like what, what would you pay for it if anything Again, it depends. It depends who's attending, and it like it depends. Like, so, not so let, let's go with let's go with the making convergence. Um, so Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, uh, Richard Dolan, Linda Moulton Howe, and a few others. Danny Sheehan's part of it. Yeah, well, it was probably about there's a four out of those five that I'd want to listen to. Um, yeah, like, again, like I, th- I, I think it's about democratizing it as well and open this opening this conversation up to as many people as possible like there's a lot of people that are still skeptical about it the more people i think that listen to the likes of lou and chris mellon their approach towards it the more this is going to become normalized the more chance we have we've got to get into a stage where there could be just just call it disclosure like but a form of more openness around this subject for me, like ten pounds, twenty pounds, like did like that that you're starting to get into a realms of it's it's more affordable to a lot more people. Um you get to that level of two hundred and fifty six it's exclusive to a smaller number of people that are really into this scene already. And for me it's about broadening it out and letting more people know about it. Like I've I've had to I've had to sit my missus down to listen to Lou Alessandro and say, look, you need to listen to this. Literally, she glazed over in the first few minutes. But if I said she had to pay $250 to do it, not a chance. But I want this to be a broader conversation because I want the academic side of things. I want the Neil deGrasse Tysons and the, the Brian Coxes of this world who are the face of kind of science on the planet to be taking this subject seriously as an area for research. And I think getting more people engaged with it allows that like starts that churn in terms of that conversation happening and so doing it for 10 20 quid makes it more accessible more kind of democratized rather than keeping it at, like 250 dollars is a hell like a couple of hundred quid let me come on you, you made a point steve that was interesting as well that one is obviously the affordability and you're saying 10 to 20 pounds that's like 30 35 40 dollars at most um which seemed to be what anyone who would pay it was in that one to fifty dollar bracket as well yeah um the other one being what you get for the money now with these you you have a a range of speakers 
who generally put themselves out there or create their own content. But Lou puts himself out there for interviews for, for a host of people for free. Yeah. Um, Chris Mellon's a bit more aloof, but I think that's just due to his time and being a busy man. He's not someone who jumps about on podcasts. Yeah. Um, I've tried, trust me. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe that will happen in the future. But then you've got people like Richard Dolan has his own channel. Linda Moulton Howe has her own channel. And these people do have a variety of content that isn't behind a paywall or is free. So when they get together on these, you're looking for what is it I'm paying for. So I think what people are looking at is I'm I'm not going to get bombshell new information because it doesn't happen in that sense. Yes. What you're going to probably what you're potentially and likely to get is some good conversation, some speculation, maybe some new analogies or a new story, or or, or actually maybe maybe Lou will drop a case that has just come into to being. Yeah. But what what you're looking for is one is that worth that level of money for those people organizing and two what do you personally get and like you said for for a for a payment you're looking for potentially put a question to chris mellon or put a question to lou elizondo and have it answered over the course of a couple of minutes on on the broadcast which which i'm speaking to the organizers tomorrow and i'm going to be talking to them about this this kind of stuff and uh, and possibly allow a follow up question because I'll probably say something interesting that you want to follow up on. But that for me again is like like how do you, how do you price value? Do you know what I mean? It's difficult. Uh, but for me, the question has to be how is it going to be curated? Do you know what I mean? They need to curate that conversation properly to make sure that there is that conversation between Linda Moulton Howe and Lou Alexander and Chris Mellon and da da da. Again, I, I don't know how that's kind of actually being run at this specific conference, but it just it 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 just doesn't seem when you look at this one specifically, like two hundred and fifty quid. I, I heard yourself saying the other day, well, like there was a conference, it was X amount of money for X amount of days. You break it down, it was like twenty five dollars a day or whatever it was, and it was like, well, yeah, that that, but you're paying for a lot of stuff that you probably don't want to listen to, and there may be some. I've seen some great bands on some great stages on the outskirts of Glastonbury before, but really, like, I, I, I don't mind paying for all of that because it's a massive experience. But do I kind of want that from, am I going to get that from a virtual conference? This is kind of a different thing in terms of... Uh, would you have Would you have thought the price was reasonable to attend this in person? You then got to start throwing on if you're there for four days, like like if it was over a period of days, like cost of hotels and da da da. Like it then becomes a very expensive experience outside of just the cost of the ticket. So again, whether it's in- you know what, let's let me be devil's advocate though. But we were talking about football before we started that going to a Champions League final or a cup final can be the same. So if you have an interest in, in anything, and if someone's passion is UFOs and then maybe for them meeting the people, the the evening gatherings, yeah. that that might then be worth that. Oh, and again, this is like where you where you have to personally apply value. Like I know I'm never going to see Bristol City in a Champions League final. However, uh, God willing, um, but that that social element to it, you, you you it's difficult to put a price on. So individually, if you want to meet like-minded people in a space and do it physically and have that experience and go out for dinner and talk about the subject from many times, absolutely, that's well worth your price of your Glastonbury ticket. But, like, virtually, 
you're not going to get any of that. And that's where I think the pushback may be coming for this specific kind of conference, for example. But yeah, there's, it's, it's, it, it, it comes down to kind of what you're expecting to take out of it. But like you said, you're talking to the, to the, 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 the guys who were running it, it'd be really interested in what they say. For, for me, asking the question of, uh, being able to ask questions to the likes of Chris Mann and Lou Alexander is, is, is certainly worth some of my pennies. Fair enough. Any other points you want to come up with, Steve? No, I think you know, the other thing was abductions, and I'm really I'm just going to shut my mouth on abductions because I have no clue. So <laughs> they don't seem to happen in the UK, uh, which or certainly as often as they do in the the Midwest. So yeah, I have no clue. I and so I just be. I think it's just an unknown for me. But no, that is that's that's it for me, mate. Heading over now to foggy San Francisco, all the way. Uh, we were in Bristol just before. We have Tim. Tim, making your third appearance on the call-in show. How are we doing today? Andy, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Always a pleasure. Uh, but you want to talk about the state of the conversation on social media, which is particularly prevalent in the last couple of days and weeks. So what, what do you want to say, Tim? Yeah, I think... I think uh... It's something that you can definitely relate to and, and that uh, I think a lot of your listeners can relate to. Um, you know, over the past year, year and a half um, since the development of the subject and, and the kind of the tra- trajectory of the topic, I uh, myself and I'm sure a lot of other people have found themselves more drawn to social media and constantly checking the conversation uh, via Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, whatever your preferred platform is. And I think it's worth kind of taking a minute to, you know, take a 30,000 foot view of what that conversation is right now and what it's like, given that there's kind of been either a lull in, um, in stories and or progress, uh, you know, of the current narrative and, or, um, you know, that there's been some, in my opinion, some changes in the tone and the nature of the conversation. Um, and also an influx of users. Um, one thing I've noticed from, you know, I think it was probably the 60 Minutes episode on and up until the UAP report on the 25th of June. Since that time, there's been such an influx of users and new people to the conversation, which is great. And I think that that's really important to call out that that's actually a really good thing. But that also brings, you know, in my mind, uh, a lot of new conflict, a lot of new, um, you know, drudgery of, of content and, you um, uh, a lot of uh, kind of cyclical conversations. Um, so, you know, I know that you're you're so involved with this, Andy, with your podcast and and uh, just your your opinions and uh, you know, kind of how you're pursuing the conversation. I just thought we'd talk quickly about uh, you know what your views are here. And um, primarily, I want to touch on two platforms: Twitter versus Reddit. You're an avid Twitter user. I also have Twitter, but I don't use it all that much. Um, I'm more in the Reddit community here um, yeah. and our UFOs and. Um, and, and a few other subsequent subreddits. So I thought we'd start there. Do you want to kick it off and, and just give me your opinion on the state of, state of the conversation? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's pretty relevant in the last couple of weeks, particularly. I've had a few times, especially weekends, where I've I've been busy and decided, you know what, I'll try and as best I can stay off things for a day or two. And um, I, I get messages through from the guys at UAP Media or, or other listeners or on the Discord chat, and people will be saying there's an argument going on with these guys on social media or something's kicking off over here. And it's like, right, you, yeah, I'm glad I've missed that. Um Twitter, yeah, it's what seems to be happening is, and I suppose I'm relatively new to this side of things, only really having an audience as such and a a number of followers, which I'm very grateful for in the last year and a half. 
it's the first time I've been involved in the UFO conversation from a social media point of view. And this is the first time we've really had a huge build-up that I've seen and release of information. And then the task force report and everything. And after that, we're on a massive, like, if it's a roller coaster, we're on the down, waiting on that next kind of uphill climb. And we just seem to be in a lull where there's people looking for, for stories or information or news or things to really talk about. And I think it's because they don't necessarily have the the knowledge or the background or the, even the will to talk about maybe some of the smaller issues. They need or want the big stuff. And when that's not happening, they lose interest or they have to make stuff up or they go looking for arguments. And I think that's what we've seen a little bit of by the looks of it. And there's far more experienced people than myself, like Danny Silva and co, who, who have come on and... Um, Adam, you know, Andreas Freeman-Stahl, who, who, who have come on and said, you know what, this happens every couple of years. Whenever there's a big news drop and a big build-up and then a lull, this is what happens every time and it'll pass. So, yeah, yeah, hopefully it will, especially from a Twitter point of view because I, I enjoy the Wild West of UFO Twitter and um, <laughs> I won't keep going on about the Discord chat, but that's been really fun to be involved in that with all the, the guys and girls involved in there. Who, who have signed up and it's it's really nice to talk to them and have those kind of smaller more kind of focused conversations on on the topic um on the other side of it reddit i, I know you're a you're a reddit guy um i get new to reddit in the sense that i started to post the the podcast on there and stuff and reddit is filled with keyboard warriors i don't mind that though it's like as a glimpse behind the you know the, the actor's curtain um during my AMA on Reddit, I done a few weeks ago. Whole lot of fun. That was good. The the moderators, I, I didn't even know how they worked. I hadn't done one or seen one before, and they had this team of moderators, and they 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 put me in this chat, and they were like, "Oh, anything you need, let me know." And I was like, "What are you here for? Like, what? Why? Why do we need moderators?" And they were like, "Oh, we'll keep the trolls away and keep people." And I was like, oh, I, don't, "I don't mind that. Like, <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll answer anything. Like, <laughs> I found it quite funny." And there was some of the comments posted because I had my phone and my iPad where I was kind of keeping an eye on notifications. And they said to me, like, I could see stuff popping through, but then I couldn't find it to reply to. And they were like, oh, we're deleting that comment. We, we didn't think you had to see that. Or they were just, and I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm just leave it. It's fine. I'll, I'll talk to anyone. Like, I don't mind people having a bit of fun. Like, or, you know, I, I don't get offended or anything like that. So it doesn't bother <laughs> me. And they just yeah. laughed and they were like, okay, we'll remember that. So Reddit's its own unique, unique platform. Um, definitely has its place i'm still kind of getting my my head around how exactly i fit into reddit not yeah. necessarily as a podcast but just as a user like what what can i get out of that platform um i like the twitter format i'm, I'm used to it i'm comfortable with it reddit's still very much a forum but it's yeah. a huge forum uh, and there's so much on there especially in what like, the rufos are high strangeness all that kind of stuff as well what what are your recommendations for me or anyone who want to get into Reddit? How to even start to navigate or find it? Yeah, I well, I think that your your comments there about the moderation team, the mods helping you out, that's really good to know. They've taken it seriously, and they're um, you know they're, they're experienced. They they know who's on you know who's on board, who's on Reddit, who's posting what, and you know what the intention might be. So that's really funny. That's good to know. Um, you know, I think that. You know, Twitter and Reddit are very different. I think that there's a value in each platform. Uh, my favorite thing about Reddit is that it seems to democratize uh, content and also, um, you know, fair responses of ideas. Now, I'll say that with a grain because um, it's definitely not perfect. Uh, none of these platforms are. 
but I do think that I see more discussion on Reddit that's relevant to me than dissent. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, whether or not that's um, happening because of the platform itself or the users, you know, I can't really say. Um, I, I, I think it's definitely worth spending the time to use it. And it does take some time to kind of know where to look and how, you know, how to be discerning and and who to trust. And uh, just like every community, there are members that stand out to me um, that generate content. And on Reddit, what I've noticed is that there's probably a very small handful of people that use these subs that generate most relevant content uh, that is, um, you know, critical and um, good, you know, well-analyzed and um, well-intentioned and um, relevant. Uh, So, you know, I'm, I'm just getting used to, you know, UFO Twitter and exactly what that looks like. Um, but yeah, Reddit, Reddit is uh, a place that can be very, very fun and entertaining, um, but also very frustrating. And that's one thing I wanted to talk about too, is I, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter lately, but with all of the uptick of new users, um, there is so much recycled content. There are so many new people to the conversation. As I mentioned, that's not a bad thing, but when I see consistently the same posts going to the top of the feed or the hot, you know, hottest posts moving mm-hmm. up the chain on Reddit that are either completely fake, uh, just no critical analysis done. Um, they're getting all sorts of awards. Moderators are not taking them down or not commenting on them or not tagging them as such. For example, there's a top post recently of, you probably saw this, um, it was essentially a triangle shadow projected into the sky in, in uh, China. Mm, Did you see yeah. that? Yeah. Um, yeah. That was clear to me that that needed some further analysis, but that got thousands of upvotes and thousands and hundreds of awards. I think, um, you know, in a very small time frame, um, I think it's relevant because that exposure in a in a group of half a million people essentially is very large and very um, it has a lot of gravity. And uh, today there was one, uh, there was a post of uh, it was a clear it was a clear post of a long ex- long exposure of an airplane behind some tree branches. Um, mm-hmm. I woke up to it having thousands of upvotes and many, many awards. And it was, you know, it's just one of those things where um, the more people that are involved in democratizing this content, um, the more, you know, this information is getting a little more turbid and just, uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting time. And that's not even to mention all the people that are, the, all the infighting and the arguing that's going on. Um, and that's kind yeah. of what I wanted to bring up with you, you know, for the most part is that there's, there's so much of this, you know, dissent going on in these communities and it's kind of driving me crazy. I want to take a break from it, uh, but it's really difficult. And I think that that leads me to kind of, you know, my next point here, um, Stephen Greenstreet, you had him on recently. He's been heavily criticized lately for his, you know, words around what's going on in the community. I totally identify with, you know, his subject fatigue here and that he really wants to base a conversation on facts. Um, and he's been accused of being, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of a dick to a lot of people lately. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think that that may be a fair criticism, but I also agree with where he's coming from. Um, and, you know, he just posted like an hour ago, something about how he wants to see the faces of the people that he's interacting with. So, you know, these conversations aren't devoid of context and so he's not being taken out of context when he tweets. So he's organizing, you know, a private zoom meeting that's going to probably contain tens, if not hundreds of folks to actually chat with them uh, directly face to face, which I think is a really bold thing. It's a brave thing. Um, I don't know how you moderate or, you know, how you um, 
how you deal with that kind of volume in a chat like that and what you're trying to get out of it. But I think that that says a lot about um, his willingness to come out and say, um, you know, I'm ready to face my critics. You have something to say. Let's talk about it. And unfortunately, both of these platforms, I don't think, do that very well. Um, that's my main takeaway right now. Yeah. So your, your two points there to break down. The first one um, on on the way things are and the, the influx of new people to the subject. And I, I've had a lot of messages recently from people who it starts with, I'm new to this or I've just found your podcast. And um, speaking to someone on the last call in, they were like 18, 19 from Washington who had just heard uh, one of the Rogan podcasts and went searching for UFO podcasts and, and luckily found mine as well. So um, yeah, we're getting an influx, and I wonder, is it just a necessary evil that with the cyclical cyclical nature of things, you know, I, I'm a, an old wrestling fan, and wrestling hits peak popularities, it wanes in popularity, it gets rubbish for a while, and then tends to come back up, and there's so many things like that, you know, TV shows and for sports throughout the world as well that do that. I wonder if UFOs is just no different, because we got a cycle of news, and then we got a whole influx of new people who have come on board. And as you'll notice, Fox, CNN, Good Morning America, all those shows that were doing all these big reports, it's kind of died off a bit. Yeah, we're getting some documentaries, but they're coming out on the back of the wave, which hopefully get get that interest, you know, keeps keeps it going or gets people involved. But I just think it's one of those we're going to get a whole load of people involved who'll for the most part, stick around for a few months. They'll create a new Twitter account. They will get on board on Reddit and they'll be involved for a little while. As well as that, you'll see these new accounts. And there's one I've, I've had to mute. I won't name it, okay, because I'm sure they're, they're well-intentioned. But every single day, I see them posting really old videos that are clearly fake or clearly CGI'd or they've been, um, you know, they've been debunked so many times. And it's like, what do you guys think of this? And it's just like, it's just for clicks and likes. But I've had to mute it because nah, it's just the same. There's nothing at all they post that's relevant at all. And I wonder, that stuff will all fall by the wayside. And what we'll have is a core of new people who have genuinely got interested and stuck around in the subject. So as we build to the next kind of big news drop, those people stay involved and they contribute something positively. Maybe yeah. a thousand people get involved and a hundred stick around. And, you know, of those hundred, one or two become podcasters or YouTubers or, or writers or, you know, and that's your kind of new, new fresh batch of people. And it's just that kind of washing through the cycle of, of folk. Um, I think that's probably just how it works. I think you're right. And I, I think that's a really good point. I, I'm not trying to malign or criticize anybody that's new to the subject or has a new interest. I think it's no, great. No. I think I think that that's the direction that we're supposed to go with the conversation, and it gives me a lot of hope that people are, you know, ha- have uptake with this this topic right now. Um, Do you know what? Can I, I just say before I comment on your other point as well, like about Stephen yeah. Green Street, we need the fresh blood because I'm I'm relatively new, and I have no doubt there are people who have been involved in this far longer than I, much older than I, that would have heard me or looked at me or seen me comment online and like others went ugh what do they know and that's that's totally fair i might be that guy in 20 years time who is still doing this podcast and still talking to people and still having hopefully a different conversation you know it's moved much further forward to whatever that might look like but hopefully inviting and welcoming those new people on board that's one thing i've said many times about the the conferences that go on where you see so many of these conferences and it's all these names of which so many, I still don't know who they are. 
or why they're relevant. And I just don't feel, I think they have the same conversations with and no basis or foundation in real data or evidence or anything other than buy my book and I'll tell you how the love and light beings from the Palladian system are going to help and heal you. And do you know what? More power to the people who find comfort or whatever they find from those things. But I just think there's a place for a whole newer, doesn't they don't have to be younger, just a newer voice and newer faces to the su- subject and the topic that can contribute some fresh ideas, some fresh takes, some new ideas, and in the nicest way possible, all respect to the people who have kind of pioneered and forged a way for people like myself to come and do a podcast on this, okay, that has a, a number of listeners now. Uh, and people like Unidentified Celebrity Review and Project Unity and Shadows Your Mind magazine and Somewhere in the Skies, all these platforms wouldn't necessarily be here without the people who kind of done the work in the 80s and 90s and the 2000s. However, I think there's also an argument that the conversation never moved any further forward in that time than it has in the last couple of years. So those people have to realise that you have to let some new voices and faces get involved, not take over, but just get involved in the conversation and allow things to move forward. Um, that's uh, that's that's just my honest take on that. Um, I think you're right on, Andy. I, I do. I do. And like I said, I'm not trying to disparage anybody. I just think that um, it's a delicate dance that we have to do when we're looking at um, subject that we're really familiar with at this point or that a lot of us are really familiar with. Um, that people are just learning to not be too critical of somebody who's just in on this and just starting to realize what's going on or, or forming their own opinions. Um, but at the same time, I do think it's worth saying that there needs to be some kind of respectful discourse to steer people in the right direction and to make sure that relevant factual information is getting out there and that it's not all speculation. I have no problem with speculating about the ifs, what's, why's, how's this, you know, this is turning out to be. Um, it's hard on social media though. It, it, it's hard to, to navigate through that. And if it's hard for somebody like me that I feel like I know a lot about the subject at this point, I can't imagine what it's like for people who are new. So that's just something I've been noticing. And I, I'm, I'm glad you said what you did about what's going on on Twitter and some of the, the infighting and, you know, possibly creating scenarios, uh, to talk more, you know, to talk about, to drive the conversation forward. Um, maybe that's not the most productive way to do it, but, but we'll see. And do you know what, because we're running out of time, but Stephen Greenstreet, really nice guy. I felt it was better to talk to him. He he is getting frustrated or he has been frustrated, but it was refreshing to see that he's had an experience with UAPX where, like he said, he has seen a, a basically sounds like a picture or video of something that isn't pixelated. That's lucky for him and he's been privy to that. And it's nice to see that something like that just gives him that little bit of renewed optimism. And do you know what? that's why I'm involved in this because there is something there putting all the BS aside. That's why we need to keep doing this. And hopefully someone like Stephen keeps, keeps involved. Tim, we'll leave the call there because that's, that's went quite a while and we'll get to get to the next calls, but it's always a pleasure to talk to you and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks Andy. Appreciate it. Next up, we're going to head off to Mort. First time call. Nice to hear on the podcast. Mort, how we doing? Doing well, man. How about you? I'm doing really well. You've got a lovely setup there as well. Like your camera yeah, and microphone is awesome. And oh, the, yeah. And and the background with all the board games. Not that I'm yeah. going to give hopefully much away from where you are. <laughs> See my, but, yeah. my family and everything. And all yeah, yeah. It's it's nice. It's cool. Are, are you, yeah. do, do you do YouTubing or like? Um, just Twitch streaming. 
Nice. Yeah, and, and then my wife also kind of commandeers this stuff whenever the pandemic hit. She does a uh, tap dancing, like teaching through it all, which works worked out really well. Cool. Oh, yeah. You've been talking about the. I, I've mentioned the Discord server a few times, yeah. and this is not a deliberate way of doing it, but March on the Discord. And yeah, you've got yeah. your Twitch stuff you, you put in the yeah. off topic. So people should check that out if they're on there. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. I've been doing it for a little while, just like like not a ton. I don't do it, I guess, part time is what I would say. I would do it. But especially You're after f- the twins are born, I stopped. I kind yeah. of gave it up. I hear you. You're I preaching to the preaching yeah. to the choir. Um, now, listen. You, you've also found time to get involved in, in UFOs and UAP as a topic. Uh, you, you said yourself you're relatively new, and you want to discuss yeah. abductions and also the Agadir UFO case. So, take it away. Well, like you said, I am really new to it. I think April 2020 is when I really jumped into it. I, I'd seen the videos before in the past. The three videos from the Navy your tic-tac go fast you know everyone's heard them um beat a dead horse but um i didn't really think much of them and then i saw that the pentagon confirmed them and they were legit and the navy didn't have a an answer for them like what they were mm-hmm. and i i mean it was right when the pandemic hit and i felt like no one was really paying attention to it like it was just like hey you know and i was like that weird guy at work it was like, I know, I know this is going on, but like, what's going on with this? Like, what's going on with this? And they're like, have you guys heard of the Tic Tac UFO? And that's actually what got me into podcasts and stuff. Like, I stopped listening to audiobooks. I used to be really into audiobooks, um, which I now do when they're, they're about UFOs. But that's really where all my time went. Uh, or I took that time from, from audiobooks to go towards UFOs. And I listened to so many... Uh, interviews of Dave Fravor and everything going on and like I've never had a personal uh, experience or anything but I, I I understand aircraft I'm an aircraft mechanic I served six years in the United States Air Force Reserves uh, maintaining the KC-135 stratotankers and now on the civilian side I you know tear apart and put back together uh, 737s NGs and maxes so I know the inner workings of airplanes um, pretty well and how it all comes together to make it fly and everything that I've been reading and seeing makes no sense to me. So like that's until I have those answers, I'm probably going to be really into this subject and I want to take one apart. I know I probably will never will. (laughs) I want to at least see an analysis of one being taken apart um on that so you, subject you want to be the next bob lazar basically yeah well to... god <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> i don't want to be to that extent but um i i don't know what i would do with like what he said like gravity i have got i got into his story because of this and he you know i mean he was talking about the power source that he was working on that reactor that was producing a gravitational field that's straight nutty and you know doesn't fall in line with our understanding of physics you know mm-hmm. there's no great amount of mass it's just producing this energy field with whatever the element 115 but neither here nor there i just want to know so hopefully eventually i'll know and we'll all know and recently because of like you said the discord like i've been seeing some stuff that gets posted there and i'm diving into all these different you know documentaries and docuseries and stuff and like the whole, I'm like 
overwhelmed a little bit with like the conspiracies of it all like i like i said i was really new to it and i really kind of just brushed it off until now but like there's all this conspiracies and the abductions and the i mean the abductions are crazy and i think like um the betty i think it's a betty and barney hill yes that one like is really famous and like uh uh gosh after you interviewed was it steven the guy that does the basement office steven green street yeah yeah well i never um had seen that show so i started watching that and then like he had an audio recording of her um when she was in hypnosis yeah which that's just like just you can feel it, the energy she had the t- like she was terrified and, and and you get into the whole like is it sleep paralysis like or whatever they call it when you're you're lucid dreaming um mm-hmm. i i'm not a hundred percent on the hypnosis stuff but she believed that happened and that case, it, it really just seems kind of like um, it made me think of the Crocodile Hunters family. My, my kids like the show. Um, it's Steve, Steve Arwin. Steve Arwin. Yeah, he, he's a, his family has a show now. I can't remember what it's called. But, um, you know, there was this one episode where they're going out and catching crocodiles and then they, you know, scrape the insides of their mouths like they, you know, and put a little tracker in them if it's a new one. And they, you know, take blood samples and and I'm it's just something that I was thinking of when I was listening to the story and then listening to all the other abduction stories. And it, it does seem to be like a, a common theme. A lot of, I mean, majority of them seems like, you know, they think that they were probed and tested. And I don't know if that's just something that is that everyone will jump to when they're fantasizing about it, or if it's a real thing happening. And if it is a real thing, then, you know, American and world citizens are being taken, which is crazy. More, I'll um, come, let me come in on that because that's a really good yeah. point. Like, I, you know, I've used various analogies like the fish and stuff in the past before as well. But like, like you say with the crocodiles, there's so many species on this planet that we deem obviously like lower than than us on the food chain, if you want to call it that. And we catch them, we breed them, we tag them, we track yeah. them, we take tests, we do swabs, we we test stuff on them. We generally mess about with them to for our own benefit or just to find out more about them. And if, like, seems to be the case that there's potentially another entity or species inhabiting the same planet or area as us, whether it's this physical reality or another, whether they live under the earth, above the ground, whatever, shadow biomes and things like that all come into it. Um, Coming through portals. Yeah. Why (laughs) why wouldn't they necessarily do the same thing if they have that technology? There's no difference, like I've said before, to us sitting on a boat catching a fish and throwing it back to to one of these sitting in a, a flying saucer catching one of us and throwing it back. Yeah, no, definitely. And I agree. I think if, if there was something coming here to check us out, that's what they would be doing. And I don't know if, like, that's just... The, the Betty and Barney Hill one it, it is pretty long ago, and I feel like it's one of the first that I that I had found... Um, so far like i said i've only been to it for a couple of weeks now with the abduction stuff but like uh the the earlier i i don't know if it like set a precedent for like the the i don't know how to mimicking or people then thinking it's happening to them but it's just it does seem plausible that that's something that that another entity would do it it, it kind of creeps me out a bit i'm not gonna lie but um like you said who knows where they're coming from but on that same note, I've been looking at the stinking mutilations of 
stuff and yeah we were talking about that on the discord and i'm like okay and and then that that ranch skinwalker ranch i mean there's just weird things that go along with this and i think there's definitely like a small percentage that are true just like with the ufos like seeing ufos you know some people maybe just see a satellite but you know other people are seeing a crazy anti-gravity purple object you know but um i do i do think you can't rule it out even though there's not the data on there and i am gonna like hold fast to to the cases where there are data and things like you know just seeing the uaps and i don't know keep i don't know if i'm gonna get super into the abduction stuff but it is interesting like when i have time to look into it but there are that 20 april 2020 then the pentagon confirming those are naval videos and those are real led me to now be so open-minded from like yeah betty and barney hill probably did get abducted like that that might have had like that that could be a possibility like it's and i don't know like see me two years ago i'd have been like just a you know discovery channel you know ratings (laughs) thing you know i'm saying like i don't i've never been down this road until now so like leading up to the data i'm finding i mean i I literally have like a binder of stuff that nice i'm just getting into it um over the year and my you know favorite things mostly the nimitz the nimitz thing just blows my mind but that opened my mind to the fact that abductions could be happening and then cattle mutilations no blood anywhere and like i mean it's just they're coming in and taking what they want and then they go back through their portals or up into space or whatever they're we you know, we don't know what they are right now, but there's definitely something going on. And, and it's, it's a crazy, crazy idea as well. Like, can you imagine just like, imagine tomorrow we found out like there was something inside the Tic Tacs, okay? And yeah. we, we, we managed to talk to, to it and we asked them, so what about like abductions and cattle mutilations? And they went, oh, that's not us. Yeah. So like, ah, we Multiple, were t- yeah. kind of hoping that it was going to be the same thing. And they were like, oh, yeah, we have no idea what does that. It's terrifying, isn't it? That's the, and yeah, yeah, you would be like, ah, yeah. That's the Black Triangle, guys. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the other yeah we, we don't like them. Yeah, don't cross yeah. them. And that, uh, I some of that stuff, you know, you, you lay there thinking about it at night before you go to bed. It's like, you know, what if one, because we are seeing like, I feel like three or four major, you know, um uap uh types i don't know if they're in my opinion from what i've been reading and stuff is you see the cigar like tic-tac shapes you see the orb five to six feet in diameter um and sometimes larger and then the big ass triangles small triangles with them prim triangular shaped you know could be a pyramid and then you'd think like, you know, what if, you know, one is coming in from a different dimension, one's flying in from another, you know, solar system and they all might not even know each other. They might know each other. Like, yeah, we don't want you to, don't, don't interact with the black triangles, you know, or, you know, I don't know. It's, it could be anything really. And it's, it's weird that there's those different shapes. I think like you'd think if it was one entity, it would have, you know, pretty similar craft. I don't know. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Lou Elizondo, Lou Elizondo talked about it on the Terry Virts, the astronaut, his, his YouTube channel, and that was quite an interesting interview mm. because Terry Virts came at it from a point of view of he's not a UFO guy. As much as he was an yeah, astronaut, he was he was asking quite a lot of like relatively basic questions, but I like the fact he, he's got a natural interviewer's instinct that he followed up on them. And it was nice that Lou, again, given the respect he has for a fellow astronaut and someone who's served and everything, 
Um, he, he gave a lot more, I think, than he, he tended he would normally. And he talked about the size of the craft being potentially relevant to the, the mission or, the, you know, the, the, the uh. objectivity of, of what they're doing. And he, he mentioned it was something like, you know, the saucers, maybe they're made for traveling smaller distances and, you know, they're, they're zippy and they do a certain thing. And then what about you've got the triangles that are slightly bigger? And mm, they yeah. are, Chris Mellon's talked about them being used for reconnaissance or mapping before. Okay. And then you look at the objects like that are V-shaped or boomerang shaped. Again, mm-hmm. they are bigger. And Lou talked about them being potentially like people carriers. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. and then, then you hear about huge like football sized aircraft yeah, carrier sized craft. Yeah. And it's one of those, maybe it's all different beings and entities. But then again, if you look at our vehicles on the planet and you look at helicopters, airplanes, uh, cars, motorbikes. And you go, essentially, they're all the same thing, but they've just got different uses. Even cars, right. when you look at the size of like buses, fire engines, ambulances, uh, small cars, two-seater car, And then another species looking at those would be like, well, are those all the same thing? You know, are they the same people in them? And it's like, well, yeah, they've just got different functions, different functionality. Okay. So maybe, yeah, that's, a good point. maybe yeah. that's why those craft are different shapes. But like you say, conversely, Maybe it's all different entities within them. If there's anyone in all of them, yeah, that makes sense. It could, I mean, who knows, <laughs> oh, listen, none of this makes sense. Yeah. That's just, <laughs> that, that's just well, an idea. The, the theory of it makes sense. Yeah, it's just all theories, man. And if, and, and listen, Mark, you wanted to talk about the Agadia case as well. That's oh, something yeah, you said definitely. you've been you've been digging into recently. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't. From from reading, you know, SCU did a, a really in depth analysis of it and they had i haven't seen any like confirmation of it and i feel like i need to look more into it or something but i i don't know it's kind of hard to find some of this stuff and know what's legit on the internet so but, i i um, said to you i've i've been sent some stuff from a, a listener to the podcast and they, they do a lot of research themselves and i'm going to send you mm-hmm. that over because you're yes you're, you're like doing the groundwork it. and the legwork which is great is what people should do i can't necessarily make head or tail of the the immense amount of work this person's done but they tend to lean towards it not being a UAP and it, it was balloons. Now, that's just from the video. You've not done the legwork yet because I'm going to send you this over and I'll get your opinion again in the future. Just from the video, though, what, what are your initial thoughts? Um, it shouldn't be doing that. Like, I, I do know it was nighttime and it was moving at speeds that wouldn't make sense for a balloon. And it it went into the water in and out of the water balloons balloons don't do that at all okay i don't know that, that, that's hard for me to believe but um like i said scu they spent like an, a year and a half like analyzing it or whatever and and they have everything uh from radar analysis um uh the the, the tracking of the aircraft the uh, turboprop i believe is a turboprop and as it was flying around uh, the Aguadilla, Aguadilla, Puerto Rico, they correlated the data from the video to be matching exactly where it was on radar. So as they were filming it, they're like, okay, so they're definitely were filming something. And then what is it? And then you're looking at the object is between three to five feet in length. It's moving you know, 40 to 120 miles per hour, you have acceleration, deceleration, and then 
it, when it hits the water, it actually speeds up for a little bit, which doesn't make me think it's a balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know about the splitting. I don't know if it was two objects at, at the beginning and then they just split off together, but they had seen one orb. The eyewitnesses had seen one orb um, in, in the aircraft. The pilots did, and then they confirmed it with the tower, and the tower saw it too, and they actually delayed a, an aircraft from going. And balloons don't glow either, um, bright pink and red. They um, There's also... I can't remember what other cases it was, but I heard other cases too, where there's the same thing, like an orb. It might've been on Australia. Um, been listening to a lot of different I've, stuff. I've said before, you've probably heard more. I'm, I'm always really honest. Okay. I, yeah. I am always really wary of the orb stuff. Yeah. Not that they don't exist. I believe they clearly do. You know, plenty of people, high, higher profile have talked about them. But I just think there's so many pictures, especially of of supposed orbs, that you know, I, I the, it's just camera artifacts, or you know, and that's not me dismissing or poo-pooing yeah. anyone's experiences. But uh, when you start to talk about bigger orbs and the size of certain things, you know that that can get pretty interesting. But I'd I'm interested in your opinion on the Agadia stuff. Once I've sent you the the information I've got, yeah, because I think too. I think with your background. Uh, in, in aviation some some of it will make more sense to you than me because i okay. think some of the stuff you'll be able to read and say oh that makes sense or no that's yeah. not right and whereas I'm, i look at it and go i don't know yeah and i <laughs> i'm totally open-minded either way too it's just from everything i read about it like it was a, a pinkish reddish light you know circular I, I guess an orb they don't really say orb but it looks like an orb in the video and, and then you know said, what when it came into the shore, the light went out and that's when they picked it up on their uh, thermal camera. So I don't. And, and you've said it there, you've got the attitude that you, you're fine either way. And that's what you have to do in this subject is come into yeah. it. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And even if there are things where you think that's an incredible case, I'm really fascinated. You never know when the time's going to come that it comes out. Actually, that never happened or here's here's what it was yeah. and you can't you can't let it dishearten you yeah you've yeah. got to just go all right okay because there's so much really good oh. stuff yeah on to the next still, one yeah that yeah. still needs more research and more time and there's always more stuff to come out that you've well, got to be able to go yeah fair enough and that's where um the uap task force report and everything going on now with the galileo project it gets me excited because i know when in government um, I feel like the, the the preliminary assessment was really important to happen. Like in order for anything in the United States to get funding, there has to be a need or a purpose for it to take the funding from something else. I mean, we're t- trillions of dollars in debt. Like <laughs> Bucos of money in debt. Like they are very strict about budgeting and stuff. Yeah. I know. Um, I didn't have to go on a deployment one time because the government shut down you know, and they just didn't have the money to send us. So, I mean, there's, there's gotta be a purpose. And if they're able to argue that there's a purpose, you, I want to see that confidential report, but um, that makes me come to this, you know, in the Galileo project in the private uh, sector um, data, man, we got to find more data and then keep pushing, man. Eventually we'll learn more and more. 
Well, listen, I'm I'm interested to send you that data on the Agadia yeah. stuff, and I would love if on the next call-in, you can you can let us know your thoughts. No doubt, I'll speak to you on the Discord before then, anyway. Yeah. But definitely no, to f- share with the listener base uh, what mm-hmm. you've kind of found from it. So, but yeah, let's uh, we're going to move on to look now for the next call, anyway. But Mark, really nice to speak to you face to face. Thank uh, you very much, man. And appreciate I'll it. Chat to you later on, man. It's good talking to yeah, you. Sure, you too. I'll good see. Good to you. have you on board. Bye, Mark. Later. Moving swiftly on to a regular caller, we've got Luke calling in. Luke, how are we doing? I'm good, thank you, Andy. How are you? I am brilliant. Uh, I've not asked you what you're going to talk about because we started having a conversation before we hit record and you've told me to hang fire. So um, it's over to yourself, Luke. What, what's on the table for discussion? Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad, Andy, that you didn't ask me because I wanted to uh, sort of spring this on you. Um You've done a really good job, mate, and congratulations on winning your award, your award-winning That UFO Podcast. Like, congratulations, oh, thanks. Um, hey. And I also think that these listener call-in shows are great, as I've said to you before the, before we hit record. Uh, and thank you for giving all of us a platform to speak and have our thoughts heard. Uh, you always interview people, and we hear what people have to think, but I wanted to uh, put a little interview Andy style back at you. Oh. I've got a list of questions. I've prepared an interview for you, Andy. I've got a list oh. of questions. Uh, I've got a keep only one round. And to finish off, as always, I've got a quick fire round. Okay. Do you know what? This isn't live, so I can edit this any way I want. So go on. <laughs> yeah. So. I'll put it out. I'll put it out as is. I'll put it out as is. All right, mate. Okay. You, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll make some notes on Twitter if he doesn't. All right. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> so Andy. Um. So for all the listeners, because I'm sure that there's people out there that want to hear how and when did you become interested in the subject of UFOs? Tell us a little bit about your journey leading up to the starting a podcast. Uh, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. I had my sighting when I was a kid, about 10 and 11, which is what the podcast logo is based off of, although the, the object was slightly smaller than than what's on that, but spinning on its side above the ground, saw it with four other people. Um, I've always said my mum saw it, has no interest in UFOs or aliens, but she's very much like, you know, she, she remembers seeing what she saw. Um, always had that interest in, in aliens, UFOs, mysteries and all that kind of stuff. Not ghosts, ghosts scare me. So everything else other than that it has always been kind of an interest. Um, saw the black triangle object in December 2019, um, driving home from work. And a few months later with lockdown and everything started the podcast uh, because we needed something to do. And if I was ever going to do it, that was the time. So if anything's good has come of the pandemic and everything else is people have had a hard time, it helped me start this and it's going to keep going long after as well, hopefully. so. Good, good. And so how does it feel to be the creator of an award-winning podcast, Andy? It feels like it did. The, when I first done my first interview, I don't know. It's like it's. It, do you know what's really weird? And I was thinking about this the other day, right? With with the whole social media thing and X amount of people listen to the podcast daily, weekly, monthly. X amount of people are are on the Patreon and the Discord and on Apple subscription services, right? And then all the social media contacts and followers. It's all in your head. I've never met anyone yet except graham rendell who i met for a coffee last week of, of uap media that's border 750 on on twitter 
it's still like all just virtual or in your head. So this whole thing, like it's it's just an assumed audience, and I'm I'm sure the numbers aren't lying to me, but you know, it's still quite weird that I, the way the way I always try to think of it is when when I look at the numbers and and I get all these interactions, which I love and hearing from people from all over the world. So if you're listening to this now and you've emailed me or about you and your partner or just you on your own or whatever, and it, it's it's helped you through whatever, or you enjoy the conversation. I find that amazing. And I always think like if I saw all those people in a football stadium, I'd love to stand in the center circle of like a football pitch and go, Oh, they all listen to my podcast just to see it. Because that I think that would probably make it real for me. Whereas right now it's me talking to the microphone and it just goes out. So, but I mean, I'd have, I'd have no problem sitting in front of a, a live audience and I'd, I'd love to do that one day. That's really good. Well, do you know what? Obviously, you've you know you you've come come on leaps and bounds since you started, and obviously, whatever you're doing is resonating with people. Um, so so hats off to you, mate, and keep it going for as long as you can. Um, of all the people that you haven't had on the show as of yet, who do you want to interview the most, and why? Chris Mellon. Why? Because alongside Lou Elizondo, he knows what he's talking about. The the two of them work together. And he's so much more aloof and mysterious than than Lou is. Um, Lou's put himself out there, which is amazing. If if you go back a couple of years to to him being part of TTSA, he wasn't accessible, and in in the world of celebrity and and social media, it's celebrities now are accessible. Brad Pitt, or I'm going to age myself. Brad Pitt or George Clooney, you know big actors the rock can now like or say hi to you which 20 30 years ago was just totally unthinkable you, you you never met your heroes whereas now you can literally sit and have a private or public conversation with them um while they're sitting doing whatever they're doing whereas chris Mellon's one of the few especially in a subject like this that i'm passionate about and i love that you can't he might he might like something now and again i've had a tweet liked off him once doesn't follow me but he doesn't seem the kind of guy to me that's sitting on social media all day. He seems like a very busy guy and a very active guy. His family are fascinating. He, he's, his background's fascinating. He's not a guy in this for the money because money, I don't think, is an object to him and his, his family. His name is very powerful. So, yeah, he I'd be all over a Chris Mellon interview. He's He would be next on my, my list. That's a good answer, mate. I like that. And if there was one... Uh, interview uh, if you could interview one guest uh, who has passed away um, who would you interview and why passed away it's a hard one because like all all the guests that, that I want to say that well not, none are coming to mind that are more recent but have it'd probably be someone from one of the, the Roswell case or something but it's stuff that's been so well well put out there or interviewed. I suppose that's from a case point of view. I think um Dr. Alan Heineck would, yeah. would be one because I'd be fascinated for someone like that now to see where they would still fit within ufology in, in the world of UFOs. I think given their experience they and I talked about this on one of the first calls in the call in tonight, how there's so many people from the seventies, eighties, nineties, and that that are stuck in an old school mind. Which is there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but they've not kind of come into the the modern day and how things have changed. And I would see someone like Alan Heineck would have loved 
the conversation and how it's gone and how it changed. So that would have been a good one, I think. Well, that, that's really interesting that you've said that, Andy. And one of the questions that I've, I've, I did prepare for this, <laughs> believe it or not, and I wrote down a number of questions. And one of the questions that I did write, but I actually put out of my final draft, um, was with with the old school u- ufology and the current you know wave of UAP activism. What kind of things do we need to do to bridge that gap, in your opinion? talking about conferences and all that kind of stuff like i think some of these these conferences that go on it's a case of some of these people i think will just over time go out out the subject i think if we we found out a little bit more if if we kind of if we got that really concrete proof of, of something or an object or a picture or a video of that black triangle whatever then maybe some of these kind of shucksters and shysters and fraudsters that are involved in in selling their books and their their stories would would leave the subject alone. I don't know what it would take for like, and I said this before. I don't even mean the younger generation. I'm 35. I'm not young, but in terms of UFOs and ufology, I'm probably pretty young to be involved in the subject the way I am. Um, but someone could be new to the subject in just the last couple of years, but be in their 50s or 60s or 70s. And it's still a fresh voice and a fresh take and approach, and I think that's that's needed. So for me, just as an example, contact in the desert this year had over sixty speakers. I think Ryan Sprigg and Deep Prasad were two of the youngest by a mile. Um, and everyone else, you're looking at people well into their forties, fifties, and sixties. And I would like to see some some fresher faces and fresher voices at these conferences sharing opinion. Um, and having that conversation and getting people thinking, because I think that would also attract a new audience to this kind of stuff as well. Well, I, I, I think <clears throat> I think one of the main differences between, I mean, you, me and you are of a similar age, and we sort of found this subject at about the same time in our lives, from what I understand. Um, but none of what we're doing now, podcasting, YouTube channels, was available in that time, and. There is a part of me that often thinks, like, had uh, you know YouTube existed in the eighties, nineties, or even going back before then, the seventies, you know, and the likes of Stanton Friedman, for example, if you were going to get Stanton Friedman on a podcast, where would we now be sitting? Because the the what we're, when we think about that, the old school ufologists, it's about bringing it forward into the twenty first century and what the, the the movement and the thing is all about now, isn't it? You know, yeah. Um. So. Um, so uh, moving on, uh, in your opinion, um, who, speaking about obviously bringing people into the subject that are only just finding it, who who isn't already involved in the subject within the, the world of celebrity, do you feel would be the most credible or beneficial person to have talking in a positive way about the subject? I'm going to be, go from a UK point of view here, Stephen Fry. That's a solid answer. Uh, I'm probably not one I would have expected, but I don't think I can argue with you on that one. Extremely intelligent. Yeah. Very, very, very funny. Um, the, the guy's a modern day genius. If anyone's, if you've never seen QI, um, look up QI as an uh, a, a comedy series. Really funny. But yeah, I I would love to have him as an advocate on board. Um, yeah, Stephen Stephen Fry, and he would translate very well to a US audience as well. 
Yeah, no, that's great. And like, well, just on the back of that, then, like, who out of there was a lot of interest from the drop of sixty minutes up until uh, obviously the the task force report came out, and there was a few names that started popping up that hadn't popped up before. We've even seen it today on BBC Radio Two. There was almost an hour long uh, discussion with Jeremy Vine on Jeremy Vine's show talking about mm-hmm. the Alan Godfrey abduction. Uh, the Pentagon and all, all the rest of it, Sam Harris and all these names. Who out of who out of all the ones which did come out of the woodwork recently was you most intrigued by or impressed with? Um, Sam Harris is an intriguing one. I, I don't know a whole lot about the guy. I've heard he's got some controversial views and opinions, or, or maybe hits on some controversial topics outside of UAPs. But I think if you put that to the side he came out and said that he had been contacted by various officials about potentially starting that disclosure conversation. And I I would see how someone with an audience of a few million or a few million followers is going to hit quite a decent sized chunk of people and also cover some, some interesting demographics as well when it comes to age Um, that people who might not necessarily be involved in the conversation, but would need to be, um, because they're going to be directly affected by it, as we all would, but they'd be really good people to have because if you've got two or three million social media followers and you can get half of them talking seriously about this subject because of stuff you start to tell them or stuff you start to divulge, then that million and a half followers probably have 50 million followers between them, you know, from direct contacts and retweets yeah, and likes yeah. and comments. So that's that's to me, is a pretty sound strategy of how you go about disclosing that. Cool. Uh, slightly off the topic, but again, I just want to hear your opinion or your thoughts. Um, what would, what for you, is one of the most interesting but also least discussed aspects of the phenomena? Um, re- really quirky one that I've I've mentioned, I think, briefly before is: Do different entities know about each other? Like, if we've got a species who are on this planet already and have always been here, and have Tic Tacs, for example, do they know about aliens coming from another planet and flying saucers? Do they interact? Do they know each other? Do they have to? Is that possible? Like, So we always think about it of uh, there are others out there, but do all those different others know about each other as well? Fair enough. I like it. Finally, Andy, before we move on to the next bit, um, You've obviously been doing the podcast for a good nearly 18 months now. If you could go back and ask any previous guest one question that you wish you would have asked at the first time around, what would be the question and who would be the guest? I think I touched on this briefly and you told me to stop, didn't I, but, uh, before I the hit thought, record? Yeah. <laughs> so if I'd go, I want to ask Lou, and I think in the near future I'm going to have the opportunity to do it on, on a special podcast, which... I'll announce nearer the time for the listeners. Um, if Lou was successful and, and made it to Congress and then was elected president, let's just say, and he had the opportunity to to disclose what he knew about UAPs, not, not the secret US tech and all that kind of stuff that he might know about national security, but he was told, okay, Lou, what you know to be fact, you can tell everyone. Look, how much of it would he actually want to tell us? Or how much does he think we need to know? would he tell us it all in like one go or would it be a case of it would still be a kind of slow process of things coming out or would Lou sit and say 
here's what they are, here's where they're from, here's what they're doing, and this is how we have to deal with it. Or would they go, do you know what? I'll tell them 50% because some of it they don't have to know. Okay, cool. Thank you for that. Um, the next thing that I'm going to do, Andy, I'm going to, I've got a quick game of keep only one. It's fairly quick. I'm going to give you two options. You can right. only keep one. Uh, I'm going to start out easy uh, for you, and I'm going to get a little bit more difficult as we get towards the end. Okay. Are you ready? Absolutely. Dogs or cats? Oh, dogs. Starbucks or Costa? Starbucks. McDonald's or KFC? McDonald's. A takeaway at home or a meal out? Mm, it's difficult to think about things in a podcast because you have to fill the dead air, don't you? Which is why I'm saying <laughs> what I'm saying right now. Um, I, I meal out with the wife. Meal out with the wife. Good answer for if she's listening. Well done. Yeah, she wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, E.T. or Independence Day? Independence Day. A hot drink on a cold day or a cold drink on a hot day? Hot drink on a cold day. Well done. Uh, Facebook or Twitter? Twitter. Roast dinner or a barbecue? Not massively fussed on either, but barbecue. Barbecue, okay. Summer or winter? Winter. Okay. uh, Mick West or Neil deGrasse Tyson? Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's an actual professional. Okay. (laughs) Um, Travis Walton or Betty, or the Travis Walton case or the Betty and Barney Hill case? Travis Walton. The Tic Tac case or the Gimbal? the gimbal because there were five objects in front of the gimbal so there were more than one object involved okay George Knapp or Jeremy Corbell George Knapp Tom DeLong or Chris Mellon Chris Mellon the TV series Unidentified or the TV series The Curse of Skinwalker Ranch Unidentified you might hate me for this one. <laughs> Lou Elizondo or Steven Gerrard? <laughs> Steven Gerrard, because I've I've still got Chris Mellon. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well done, mate. And so, uh, sorry, sorry, Lou, if you're listening. <laughs> If you don't know, uh, Lou, if you are listening, look up Stephen Gerrard and I'm sure that you'll forgive Andy for And do you know what? Vice versa, Stephen Gerrard, if you're listening, look up Lou Elizondo. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, for this round, full disclosure or Rangers to win the Champions League in the next three years? <sighs> I know one would make a lot more people happier. I'd I'd have to go full disclosure, wouldn't I? You don't that would that would give me a whole lot more to talk about. Your heart, Andy. Yeah, full full disclosure would give me a whole lot more to talk about. Fair enough. 
So just before we finish the interview, and thank you for your time, and I know we've gone over the uh, allocated 15 minutes, um, we finish off, as always, on your podcast with a quick fire round. As always, you can say as little or as much about each of these things that you would like to. Are you ready? Yeah, go on. Uh, so quick fire round, Roswell. Um, it happened. It was E.T. and the they did recover a body. They recovered a craft. They announced it too quick. They covered it up, and we back engineered some of the stuff. Okay, the two thousand and one National Press Club event. Um, could have been a lot more than it was. I would like to see something similar now, not with the same host. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Corbell. Um, very creative. He's he's a character. He's a media personality. He is he is a good link to the TMZ generation who may be involved and want to get involved in this subject. He's probably a good bridge between Joe Rogan's show and getting involved in the subject with people at George Knapp. Um, I can see why he frustrates a lot of people, though. For example, I've never had the fact that I, I like his documentaries, but there's 20 minutes in each one you could cut out because I don't need to hear Mickey Rourke monologuing over shots of the desert. Okay. Uh, ancient astronaut theory. Um, do you know what? The idea behind ancient aliens, spot on. Pretty accurate. I think a lot of that is along the right lines. The message of of that and the ancient astronaut theory over time has got lost in the sensationalism of a, a TV show, and that's all that is now. Okay. Joe Rogan. Um, Got the biggest, most successful podcast in the world. I don't think he's a great interviewer. I think he's a good interviewer for, for a broad range of subjects. I... I think when it comes to UFOs, UAPs, he knows a lot less than he makes out. Um, and I would love some of the time he gets with some of the guests he's had to have those same conversations. And also, if Spotify wanted to offer me that kind of contract, I'll I'll go full time. That's fine. Well, you've already made your first step with your awards, Andy. So let's uh, we never know what the future might hold. <laughs> um, Travis Walton. Yeah, that happened. Whether or not some of it may have been embellished in the name of, of making some money, I don't know. But I, I think there was a genuine experience there. Um, and it's it's lasted over the years, but so has the, the TV and the, the movie deals, which are still ongoing to, to this day, we've just found out. So, yeah. But do you know what? If that did happen to you and you had the opportunity to tell your story, but also also make your life a little bit more comfortable, then why not? Cool. CE5. Human initiated contact. Yeah, yes, it's genuine, but I don't necessarily know how much you have to, to meditate and all that for that kind of stuff to, to happen. I, I, I've, I've talked about this with Dan before, okay? Quite regularly, I finish recording, step outside the, you know, the shed slash recording studio, and there'll be a nice starry sky, and I'll do very quickly a little anything up there, anything want to and I, I've seen lights come across the sky, don't know what they are, could be satellites just catching the sun, I don't know, but I've seen stuff that I, I would say aren't satellites, 
but I don't post about them. I don't tweet about it. I don't talk about it really on the podcast because it's just me telling a story. Could be making it up, but I'm not. Okay. UFO or UAP? UFO. Otherwise, it would be that UAP podcast, <laughs> which yeah. which was the, the one of the two considerations when I got down to the naming of it. I like it. And then finally, Andy, what does disclosure mean to you? Oh, look at that. Um, that's all I've got time for. Um, no, um, <laughs> disclosure is not a capital D. It's a small D. It's a process. It's happening now. It may take six months. It might take a couple of years. We might still be having a similar conversation in 20 years. We might be those people who right now are frustrated that disclosures always just around the corner. It never happens. They've lived through this for decades and we're the new hopeful group that are coming along and hoping to just push it along that little bit further. I'm, I'm hopeful that is what's going to happen. But do you know what? I'm equally prepared that in 20 years time, we could be watching the next generation and the new Lou Elizondo who's left the US government to come out and tell us about UAPs and there's been an event and then I wouldn't be hugely surprised at that. But right now, I think we're in a good place and and the conversations definitely move forward. Brilliant. Andy, you have been a wonderful guest on your own podcast. Thank you ever so much for answering your questions, for giving your time. It's been wonderful. I would like to say you've been a good host, but you were 10 minutes over on your time. So that's that's going to need work. Well, <laughs> I didn't even get to the listener questions, but we'll just have to save that for another episode. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds familiar. That's like a direct quote from me. Uh, but no, that that was good. Look, I appreciated that and it'll, it'll fit in if it has to go over into part two as well. But yeah, if, if you've listened this long and listened to me being interviewed by Luke, then thanks very much. I enjoyed that. That was fun. <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks ever so much, Andy. Keep looking up because you never know what you might see. Oh, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Cheers, Luke. Thanks very much. Ta-ra, bud. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shut out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more. Meditated game of fateful on meta. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. back and nearly kissed myself, and I climbed out the window after the elf, and I woke up in my bed, and there was something on my head, and everything was weird, and everything was red, I called up my boys, they thought this was noise, they thought it was a dream, they thought it was my toys, they thought it was my problems, and they think I should seek therapy, and I don't know.
know what it because it doesn't really scare me. Tic-tac and not quite.